Hello, and welcome to another episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. I'm your host, Teresa Marks, a Senior Wealth Strategist at CIBC Private Wealth in the U.S. I am joined today by my colleague, Caroline Mackay, also a Senior Wealth Strategist at CIBC Private Wealth. In today's episode, Caroline and I will discuss creating and maintaining a budget. In particular, we'll look at four steps that could help you with your budget. Understanding your financial situation, creating savings goals, determining a budget method, and then tracking and monitoring your budget. All right, with that, let's get started. So Caroline, a common challenge we often hear about from a variety of clients is how to balance spending and savings. And it's not unusual for individuals or families, really no matter their income level, to to find that their spending exceeds their income or that, you know, that they have a hard time saving. So how, how do people go about kind of getting this all into focus, maybe kind of getting this into, a, you know, getting to a place where they feel more comfortable with how they're balancing the spending and saving? So what should people be thinking about when they think about that and presumably start thinking about a budget? Right. And I think we've all heard the word budget and many of us will have different feelings about the word budget. You know, oftentimes people have this idea that it's, you know, you're 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 being told to do something different than what you want to do or it's like yep. a stern taskmaster that's you're in trouble holding right? the things that you want. <laughs> exactly. Like your your school teacher being like, "No, no, no, you can't yeah. do that." <laughs> but really a budget actually is there to help you really anybody who's doing one get more of what they want in the long run by really being attentive to their spending and setting short-term and long-term savings goal. So budgeting is not just about looking at, you know, your spending and, and taking things away from you. It's really starting to think about how to prioritize what's most important to you, where are you trying to get in terms of your, your financial situation, and, and helping you design a roadmap. So it's really a helpful tool. It shouldn't be looked at as a, a punishing mechanism because that's not what it's intended to be. I really like that visual of it being a roadmap that, you know, kind of what steps, what process are you following? So, so somebody that wants to put a budget into place, again, no matter kind of their income level or their wealth level, what are the steps that they should take to really kind of start putting that together? Right. So the first thing you want to do is you probably spend about 30 to 60 days of actually um, reviewing your spending. So that's going in and your income sources. So what I'm gonna do, and I choose to do this on an old school spreadsheet. For me, when I've done this budgeting process, I find that when it's automated for me through like a banking app or or an, another type of app you can get online, um, I pay less attention because I'm mm-hmm. letting the program itself. So I would highly advise, although those budgeting apps are great, I think it's a really great exercise to go through your credit card statements, to go through your bank statements, if you pay in cash, to be keeping a journal of what you're spending, and for 30 to 60 days, really outline where's your money going. So what's the money coming in? That's my income. That's going to be you know, money I'm earning from work. If I'm self-employed, that's the money coming in from my self-employment. Um, that's going to be my investment income. That's going to be gifts that I'm given. Any, any source of money that you have to spend, that's your income sources. And then I'm going to start looking at my expenses. And so that's, you know, 
my utilities, my rent or my mortgage, my groceries, insurance. Um, and then that's the eating out. That's the, the fun things that I might want to do. And I look at those and I do divide them into what we call non-discretionary expenses. Those are the things that I have to pay every month to keep the roof over my head, to keep food on my table, to keep us insured and protected. Those are the half to pays. And then the discretionary expenses is the other category. And that's the stuff again, that's, you know, my, my clothes shopping, you know, I, I need a certain amount of clothing to keep, <laughs> to, to keep appropriate in our society. But I also, you know, buying new clothes at this point is more of a, a luxury than mm-hmm. a necessity. Dining out, subscriptions, you know, I I like the Hulu and the Disney and the Netflix. I have a problem with subscriptions. I like a lot of different ones. Although I recently pulled back on a different one. So I feel like I'm working, you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing my budgeting. Um my club memberships travel charitable contributions. Okay. So 30 to 60 days, go through all your expenses to get a baseline of what's coming in, what's going out, and am I in a um deficit, you know? And if I'm not in a deficit, great, but where am I putting that additional money? Where's that going? Is that sitting in my checking account? Uh, or am I putting that to work towards a savings goals? So, so, you know, let's say, you know, if you are in a deficit, you know, what do we do there? Is that, is that when we start cutting, cutting back on those discretionaries, those once, if you will, to kind of get us back in line? Yeah. So what will be really important first is, again, I have to have my baseline. I need to know what I'm working off of. Then I, what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to go through and create my savings goals because it's really important that we figure out, you know, for many people, that's, that's the goal in doing all this budgeting is not only to worry, yeah, to worry about being in a deficit. Certainly if we're in the deficit, we have to figure out how to get out of the deficit. But we also want to know what is it long-term that I'm trying to do? And maybe your savings goal is, I don't need to save. I just need to not be in a deficit. Then we, we jump ahead and go to looking at budgeting methods and figuring out where to cut. But first I would focus on savings goals. Okay. Okay. So, so, how how do we do that? I mean, you know, short term, long term, you know, is it everything that we're looking on? How do we kind of think about setting those goals? I mean, I think, you know, sometimes as we're growing up, it's, you know, I have a goal to get into college. I have a goal to get a job. I mean, so they seem pretty basic, but savings goals, I think, seem a little bit more amorphous, if you will, kind of, you know, it's hard to pin down, at least in my mind. So what should people be thinking about there? Right. And I think a lot of our savings goals also, we wouldn't necessarily characterize as savings goals. We're not thinking Mm -hmm. about it that way. But for example, like I want to upgrade my car in a couple of years, right? There may be a savings goal tied to that or I have to, you know, buy or lease a new car. I want to go on a trip to Italy next year or in two years. Again, I may not just have just money all around me to just be yeah. able to write a check for a $10,000 trip and and call it a day. So those are the type of goals we're talking about. Retirement, that's obviously a long-term goal for many people. In mm-hmm. some cases, maybe not. I've worked with clients who you know are in their 50s and maybe haven't prioritized retirement. And so it's not as long as it might be for somebody in their 20s. But we usually think you know anything outside of five years is more of a long-term goal. The rest of it, maybe a vacation, a new car, paying down debt should also be considered a savings goal. So if I'm carrying a balance on my credit card or I have student loan debt, maybe again, I have a longer time frame to pay that off. Those would all 
go into my savings goals. And we look at them, you know, short term, long term. What I suggest is we write them all down, all of our savings goals onto a savings worksheet. Um, and Teresa, we have a worksheet available that we can, you know, um, share with clients. Yep. Um, and and you you prioritize it based on or you identify it based on, you know, short term, medium term, long term goal. And what we often suggest you do is then you you figure out what is the, the goal amount that you're going to save and you actually break it into monthly chunks. So let's say, again, I want to save $10,000 for an Italian trip and I'm going to give myself two years to do that. I'm going to break that into 24 monthly payments so that that can be part of my monthly budgeting method is mm -hmm. actually prioritizing and putting savings as part of almost like an expense on my budget. And we say the goal, the goal with savings is you want to pay yourself first before you pay other people your mm -hmm. money, right? Like get what you want most out of it. Um, and then we always recommend that there's an emergency fund. So if you don't have, you know, three to six months of living expenses, if God forbid you were to lose your job or something happened unexpectedly, you want to have access to money. So uh, an emergency fund, if you don't already have one, should also be part of that savings goal and prioritized. So it's really thinking, I liked what you said, kind of thinking about it as an expense. So as you're thinking about, you know, the subscriptions you're paying and the, the utility bills, there's almost like one more line item or a couple more line items. The the trip to Italy, the emergency fund I still need to, you know, make sure is, is funded and the, the new car in five years or whatever. So almost thinking about it as those are line items as well. And I think that keeps you more focused as opposed to just, oh, this, I'm going to try to save 20% this year, as opposed to, you know, I think having real goals and kind of allocating to those probably makes it feel more real. Definitely. And if you think about it, if I do, if I am in a position where I just don't have unlimited income and I am having to choose where I'm putting that money, whether it's, you know, again, we already talked about the non-discretionary expenses. You don't really have a choice about that. That money has to go where it's going. But the discretionary expenses, my subscriptions, travel, uh, clothing, eating out, those are within my control. And if I am going to have to deny myself, you know, I can't eat out 10 times a month. I'm going to say I can only eat out four times a month. It's helpful to know why I've denied myself that additional dinner out, knowing that, oh, but I'm going to go to Italy in two years. And like, that's, that's why I'm going to prioritize that over an extra night out, or I'm going to eat at home and just have a cocktail with friends, right? Like there's lots of ways to think about it so that you don't feel completely denied, but you also are focused on why are you putting your money towards a goal versus just spending it and let it go out the door and not really remember why you were letting that happen. It feels more like a trade-off rather than that denial, which I think is important. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so much of this budgeting is psychology, right? Like how do we feel good about it and how do we stay on track? Because a budget is only good if we, we try to stick to it. If we follow it. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So once you kind of understand your ins and your outs and kind of that financial picture and you know what your savings goals are, what's the next step somebody should take to kind of work on their budget? Yep. So then you're going to pick a budgeting method and there there's, you can Google it. There's lots of different ways to think about budgeting methods. Um, we we particularly like what's known as the 50-30-20 method. And that's where you're, you're ballparking here. Again, you're going to look at what you've already tracked and decide how to fit this in for your lifestyle. But generally, that means that 50% of your income should go towards your needs, those non-discretionary expenses. 30% goes towards the discretionary expenses, what 
you know, the extras that you want. And at a minimum, 20% should go towards your, those savings goals. And again, there may be times, especially if you have a lot of shorter term goals, that maybe more of your money is going into savings. And again, this is completely adjustable, uh, but that's sort of ballpark. So 50, 30, 20 method. Um, and then you look at your the, the, the tracking that you've done over the last 30 to 60 days and you see, okay, how do I, what do I need to sort of readjust in my spending to try to meet those goals? And again, a lot of people, when they think about budgets, um, and you'll even see this somewhat online when you look at like how to do a budget, it's what you hear is income minus expenses equals the money you have left over to save, right? Mm -hmm. I think the better way to talk about this is, and again, this is going under the methodology of pay yourself first. You have savings goals, you want to meet them. The best way for success is to, to prioritize those. So the way I like to think about the budgeting method is I'm going to take my income, I'm going to prioritize my savings. So that 20% mark, that goes it. And then what I have left over is what's available for my expenses. And obviously that first goes to all my non-discretionary expenses. And then it, whatever's left over there, that is where I can allocate them to my discretionary spending. And what I really like about this, and again, the tracking of spending for 30 or 60 days, I think for a lot of people is insanely eye-opening because we just don't realize how like my your 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 daily Starbucks coffee, how that can add up, you know, like it, it helps yep. put a number on everything. And it also helps you identify potentially easy ways to cut back on spending. But again, still keep the things you like. So so, for example, like if I looked at all my subscriptions and I was <laughs> like, oh, that's a lot of money, you know, I might be able to cut out one or two and just keep the ones I really want. And then if a show comes on that I, I'm obsessed with and I have to watch, a lot of times these subscription models now, you can you can log back on, pay for the month, binge watch what you want, and then <laughs> again, right? And there's a lot of little things. I just recently went through a process where I renegotiated or I went back to um, uh, reprice my homeowner's auto insurance, my my basically my PNC insurance, because I realized the company I was with was hiking our rates. And when I looked back historically, it had gone up a lot. And I decided to switch carriers and use somebody who was equally as good in terms of their reputation and the the same sort of liability coverage. But I was able to save quite a bit between the two companies. So this is a good opportunity. There's a lot of easy savings to be had by just reviewing what you're already paying for. And then maybe there might be some ways where you have to cut back a little bit. But again, you're only cutting back to then reward yourself for all those savings that you're trying to do. I think that's a really good point because I do think we all kind of get into the, you know, get into the habit of things just go along, right? Especially when you're auto paying on a credit card or whatever. And it's, so I think the taking the time, you know, that 30, 60 days to really look and say, okay, what, what am I spending on? And, and as you said, where can I renegotiate? Where can I maybe say, okay, maybe I don't need all those subscriptions or maybe I, I should be going, you know, making coffee at home, you know, three days a week or whatever it is. But I think, you know, we all get into these habits. Um, and sometimes if we don't stop and think about it and, and take a look, we, we can get into in, into a trickier financial situation. So, okay, so once we've, you know, it, it seems like that's a kind of that gets you to your budget that really kind of helps you see 
how you're moving forward, how do we use it going forward or how should we maintain the budget once, once we've put it into place? Right. So again, there, there are apps you can use to track your budgeting. I personally, again, like a spreadsheet model because then it, it keeps you kind of looking at your, you physically. I also have in my own personal history have found in looking at my credit card statements more closely and all my spending, I have found issues where like maybe I was double charged for something that I wasn't yep. sure of, or my husband and I are both paying for the exact same prescription subscription. And we're like, why are we, we're double paying. So I like that method. And then on, on your budgeting worksheet, you can have your column for what your budget was. And then, you know, month to month for at least a few months track, are you, how your actual spending is going. Are you meeting that? And, and, you know, regularly checking in with your budget keeps it fresh in your mind of, okay, I need, I, you know, I, I said I was only going to go out four times this month. Have I stuck to that? Right. Yeah. Or I was going to spend X dollars. So it doesn't have to be lifelong. I don't think, I think once you get into a habit, you can pull back and start saying, okay, I've, I've gotten into the habit of sticking to my budget. Maybe I'll only check in with it every couple months, or maybe I will then switch to a more digitized automatic budgeting app because I feel like I kind of know the process. So this, again, this doesn't have to be a, a necessarily a lifelong, like <laughs> looking through everything every day for the rest of your life. But I do think uh, keeping your eye on the ball is very helpful, especially, you know, in the first six months to a year of doing this in place. And I would think it would also be important kind of as maybe you have changes. So maybe your income goes up because you switch a job or you get a promotion or, you know, you have a child or you, you get married or whatever those life kind of changes are. I would think that would be a prompt to say, okay, let me reevaluate this. Now maybe I have different savings goals. Maybe I have different income. Really kind of ha using those as prompts to revisit maybe that paper type of budget and kind of get a you know more stringent when those kind of events happen. Definitely. And we work with so many clients that like when they have kids or they have grandkids, then they want to start putting money aside for education or having a baby. And like, you have all these new expenses that you didn't have just a couple of months, you know, yep. before. Yep. Um, and we have a lot of, a ton of resources available, um, you know, that, that not only just address basic budgeting and savings goals, but also are very customized for, you're a new parent, you're getting married, yep. maybe you're getting divorced and your, your, your life situation is changing pretty dramatically from a financial standpoint. And, you know, that's a whole new endeavor too. And that's a really good time to be also looking at spending your assets and a budget. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I think this was really helpful to me. You know, it's, as you said, kind of at the beginning, like a budget doesn't have to be a taskmaster. I think it can really be such a powerful tool to help clarify finances, really think about how do we maximize our dollars, meet our savings goals, and really kind of keep navigating our financial journey to put us in a really good position, not only today, but then as we go into the future. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Wealth Planning Illuminated. We hope you found this topic interesting and that you will continue to explore the variety of wealth planning topics available to you on this channel. Thank you and have a great day. CIBC Private Wealth Management includes CIBC National Trust Company, CIBC Delaware Trust Company, CIBC Private Wealth Advisors Incorporated, all of which are wholly owned subsidiaries of CIBC Private Wealth Group LLC and the private banking division of CIBC Bank USA. All of these entities are wholly owned subsidiaries of Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. 
This document is intended for informational purposes only, and the material presented should not be construed as an offer or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Concepts expressed are current as of the date of this publication only may change without notice. Such concepts are the opinions of our investment professionals, many of whom are chartered financial analyst charter holders or certified financial planner professionals. Certified Financial Planner Board of Standards Incorporated owns the certification marks CFP and Certified Financial Planner in the U.S. There is no guarantee that these views will come to pass. Past performance does not guarantee future comparable results. The tax information contained herein is general and for informational purposes only. CIBC Private Wealth Management does not provide legal or tax advice, and the information contained herein should only be used in consultation with your legal, accounting, and tax advisors. To the extent that information contained herein is derived from third-party sources, although we believe the sources to be reliable, we cannot guarantee their accuracy. The CIBC logo is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Investment products are not FDIC insured, may lose value, and are not bank guaranteed.